What does the 2021 Monterey Car Week have in store? And how about buying a brand new 60-year-old sports car? Find out how this is possible in this episode of the Classic Sports Car. Welcome to the Classic Sports Car. A tribute to the sporting classics of a bygone era. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Classic Sports Car. I'm Tom, who for over 30 years has been turning keys, turning wrenches, and turning over rocks and pages to buy, repair, and learn all about classic sports cars. A couple of new items I've got up on the website, which is theclassicsportscar.com. You'll find links to the various platforms that the podcast is hosted on. So if you have a device that connects to one of those, there's places to subscribe to the Classic Sports Car link to the website. And also there should be a link now to a new Facebook page that I just created where we can continue the conversation or even add to, possibly even correct, any aspects of the podcast that you're hearing here right now. Let's start off with a little Classic Sports Car news. Now, the Monterey Car Week returns this year after a year off. This year's event will be held on the Monterey, California Peninsula from August 6th through the 15th. Monterey Car Week has become the pinnacle of car events with multiple shows and concours, de elegances, historic races and various auctions and various individual make and model owner meetups. Here's a few of the highlights being promoted for this year's Monterey Car Week. RM Sotheby will be auctioning off a Porsche 917K, which is being predicted to sell between 16 and 18 million dollars. Now, over at RM Sotheby's auction website, a few details about this vehicle. It was delivered new to 1970 Porsche Works Team JW Automotive Engineering. It was driven by David Hobbs and Mike Halewood in the 1970 Le Mans 24 hours. It was immortalized as the winning car in Steve McQueen's 1971 film, Le Mans. It was rebuilt in 1917 Spider specifications at the Porsche factory in 1971. It's been campaigned at Interserie in 1971 through 1973 by Jurgen Newhouse, Team Shell, Heckerbrush, and Jello Racing. It was owned and raced in historic events by the late Michael Amalfitano for over 20 years, and it was beautifully restored to original 917K specifications and accompanied by original spider body. Now, another Le Mans race car being auctioned off at this year's Monterey Car Week, this time by Bonhams, is a 1967 Ford GT40 Mark IV. And they're estimating the auction price for this should be somewhere between three and three and a half million dollars. Also, there'll be a number of new supercars debuted at this year's event, including the Aston Martin Valkyrie Roadster, the Audi Skysphere, the Honda NSX Type S. I understand we're at the very end of the line for this new version of the Honda NSX, and they've got a Type S kind of closing out the model run. There'll also be a Pininfarina Batista announced, and Lamborghini has stated they will introduce a new supercar in the summer of 2021, and many are predicting this could happen at Monterey. Now, also over at Monterey, many look 
to the multiple auctions that take place over the week-long event to gauge the current state of current car prices and trends. And we'll revisit the event in a future podcast to see how things turned out from an auction and selling standpoint. An item from the Classic in Sport Car magazine website from back in May, just a few months ago of this year. Now, this is something that has taken place in Great Britain. It says, a new classic car industry body launches. It indicates a group of leading industry figures has united to form the Historic and Classic Vehicles Alliance, or the HCVA, to protect the British classic car industry, which it says is an annual turnover of 18.3 billion pounds. The group says that 113,000 jobs are in peril and is calling on British politicians and regulators to use their post-Brexit independence to help grow this sector of the economy. It blames a combination of bureaucracy and poorly focused environmental legislation, plus complex rules around exporting and importing to and from the EU, and widespread misunderstanding of the environmental impact of vintage motoring. The not-for-profit HCBA has set out its intention to campaign on behalf of the individuals and companies in the classic vehicle sector, as well as instilling accountability, common standards, and a code of conduct to the members who sign up. Other key figures released at the HCBA's launch, citing the Federation of British Historic Vehicles Club survey, include there are 665 apprenticeships within the British classic vehicle industry and 700,000 classic car owners in the UK. And while the estimated average value of a classic car in the UK is only 5,400 British pounds, the estimated value of the entire British fleet of classic and historic vehicles comes to 12.6 billion pounds. Some other stats they include, the average mileage for a car in the UK is said to be 7,200 miles, but for a classic, that dips to 1,200 miles. And when looking at carbon dioxide emissions, classic car use is quoted to contribute 563 kilograms a year, whereas mobile phone and computers are said to come in at 1,250 kilograms and 1,400 kilograms, respectively. Our sector is a great British success story and has been for decades, says Harry Wales of Silverstone Auctions and an HCVA director. But it's in serious jeopardy and may not survive to continue providing opportunities for future generations if we don't act now. We need to ensure the voice of the industry and owners is heard and understood by regulators and those in power. We're taking the initiative now to address current challenges, clear up confusion, and grasp opportunities to find solutions. Now, I'll link this story and all the others I mentioned here on the website under the podcast page. One last news item here. How about an electric AC Cobra? Now, is that progress? Is that blasphemy? Is that excitement? Or is that something to be frowned upon? Well, there's a new AC Cobra Series 1 electric that'll make its debut at the upcoming British Motor Show. Now, AC was the manufacturer that provided Carroll Shelby with the bodies for the Shelby Cobra. The body was from what was originally an AC Ace, which AC Cars of England produced from 1953 to 1963. And they used various Bristol inline-six engines. Well, in 1961, Bristol ceased building their six-cylinder engines, and AC was approached by Carroll Shelby to modify the AC to accept a V8 engine. 
Now, AC provided these bodies to Shelby until 1967 and then continued to sell them as the AC Roadster in Europe until 1969, powered by a Ford 289 V8, which is like many of the small British auto manufacturers from this era. New and often changing regulations caused financial hardship to AC, and the company was liquidated, sold, renamed, etc., 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 numerous times over the years, bringing it to its current state, which, if you go over to the website, they describe it as the following. AC Cars has been in continuous production since 1901, 119 years of heritage and innovation. Despite years of challenge and competition, the AC brand has survived and is now on the threshold of a new era of success. Re-energizing the AC brand is the result of a multinational team effort spread across every continent. Unsurprisingly, the powerhouse is in the UK, home to AC's famous pedigree. Interest and demand for AC's iconic cars is undiminished, and a pool of talents, commercial, banking, technical, and financial, has been brought together to continue the brand values. This is being done cautiously, but there are exciting plans ahead, plans which will continue AC's deserved global reputation and enable its range of products to be expanded. And one of those vehicles and plans of expansion is the AC Cobra Series 1 Electric. Their website says it's crafted in the spirit of the 1962 Cobra, but adapted for an electric motor. The latter frame has been adapted to accommodate the new motor components, and the triangulated chassis is constructed of high-grade composites. Adaptations have also been made to the steering and brakes for better handling with the electric motor. It's powered by a front-loaded 54-kilowatt-hour lithium-ion battery that will give you an estimated range of 150 miles. It does 0 to 62 in 6.7 seconds for a maximum speed of 120 miles per hour. Handcrafted Motolita steering wheel, hand-stitched leather seats, chrome cockpit dials, and nothing but the sound of the road beneath your wheels. For body paint choices, you've got AC Electric Blue, AC Electric Black, AC Electric White, or AC Electric Green. There will be a limited run of 58 AC Cobra Series 1 electric cars, and only 58 reservations will be taken. AC Cars' recommended retail price is currently 138,000 British pounds plus on-the-road charges. That comes to just over 190,000 US dollars. So a new AC Cobra will soon be available. And you'll be able to hear nothing but the sound of the road beneath your wheels. Hmm. Sounds like it's lacking something. And that was a Cobra with a Ford 289 V8 in it. Hard to imagine somebody spending close to $200,000 for a new Cobra and missing out on that feature. But then again, oh, hold on. Here comes one of the electric ones. I rest my case. If you've been following the classic, not just sports car, but just classic car industry at all, or had even the slightest amount of interest in it over the last 10 or 15 years, you'll know that the prices and values of many of the cars have not just increased in value, but have really just gone through the roof. And yes, I'm looking at you, early 70s Porsche 911s. And you're starting to see a lot of the manufacturers 
that are still around, still making cars that made cars back in the 50s and 60s. Also, paying attention to that and offering special services and special actual purchases and vehicles to those who are interested in cars from this era or so that have cars from this era that want to make sure they keep them on the road and to maintain that value. Now, if you've seen any of the auctions that appear either online or on television, oftentimes if the car is fully restored, they will indicate the name of the company or the individual that did the actual restoration. And depending upon who that is, that can either add or detract from the value of the car. If it's a well-known, very well-established restoration shop that's going to bring a lot more dollars than if it's just the individual owner who spent the previous year or two in his garage restoring it himself. Well, if you have the opportunity to have the actual manufacturer restore the vehicle that you own, I can't help but imagine that that would bring the greatest amount of value to a restored vehicle when it came time to sell that. That's what I'll focus on here for the next part of this podcast. Three aspects that are currently available from a number of manufacturers for those who either have a classic sports car from the 50s, 60s, or maybe even the 70s, or who may have an interest in purchasing one. And also, what some of the manufacturers are doing by continuing vehicles that ended production, but now they've brought them back. Now, for the most part, we're talking about vehicles in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollar value. But it's always interesting to see what's out there, what's available, and what options might be available to those who have very valuable classic sports cars. So let's talk about the restoration aspect for a moment. In the research that I did to prepare for this podcast, it looks like the first company that really took the restoration process serious within the manufacturing company was Mercedes-Benz. Back in 1993, Mercedes opened the Mercedes-Benz Classic Center in Fellbach, Germany, which is just outside of Stuttgart. And they offer parts, service, and restoration options for out-of-production vehicles. Obviously, they consider classic vehicles as something that's no longer being produced. So you can take your classic Mercedes-Benz to them and have a full restoration done. Typically, it takes about two years on average to turn around a fully restored vehicle. Staying in Germany, Porsche claims that somewhere in the 70 percentage, I've seen 70, 72, 75% of all Porsches that were ever manufactured are still on the road today. So they've got a great interest in keeping those cars driving, keeping them on the road. They have the Porsche Classic Factory Restoration Facility, which provides preservation and restoration services to all Porsche Classic customer vehicles. From the early 356 models through to the first generation of the water-cooled 911, which is the Type 996, Boxsters, Type 986, and even Carrera GTs. From their website, they indicate that we use Porsche Classic Genuine Parts, original technical manuals and specifications, and original techniques, and we work in a workshop full of -of state-of-the-art equipment. All work on your vehicle is carried out by Porsche in accordance with our usual exacting requirements regarding quality and the genuine character of components. It's also precisely documented. With any complete restoration, you'll receive a certificate as well as a high-quality book containing all documentation of the work carried out on your vehicle. Our offerings also include partial vehicle restoration or engine and or transmission restoration. So if you've got a classic Porsche, you can take it to Porsche to have it either serviced 
rebuilt or completely restored. Jaguar has really gone full throttle in their offerings for classic vehicles. They opened up their Jaguar Classics Restoration and Heritage Center in 2014. And here's some of the services that they offer based upon the information on their website. Servicing. Unique servicing options which replicate the checks carried out at the time of the first manufacturer and combine these with our technical expertise of today. They offer health checks. A full-day health check. Once this comprehensive 121-point visual inspection is complete, we'll supply you with a report detailing any work required through a red, amber, and green system of urgency. For well-maintained vehicles, a half-day health check is also available. So those are services available on your current classic Jaguar. How about getting a full restoration? Well, they indicate our restoration services are divided into eight definitive stages. Initial inspection and component audit, dismantling, media cleaning, body shell rectification, and component refurbishment down to the assembly of the vehicle. Each stage is painstakingly performed by expert technicians to guarantee the total authenticity of your classic vehicle. They also offer engine rebuilds. They state the very same hands that created the original Jaguar V12 engines are among those helping us rebuild engines today. This timeless expertise combines original techniques with Jaguar's modern processes, giving us the ability to recondition and reconstruct engines that are true to their classic heritage, but with 21st century precision. What if you don't have your own classic Jaguar to take down to the restoration or service shop? Well, Jaguar still has something for you. They've got a program called the Works Legend. They state, Sourcing classic Jaguars and Land Rovers from all over the world before bringing them home to where they were born. Our Works Legend program sees a distinct selection of original, collectible vehicles returned to our state-of-the-art, purpose-built Classic Works facility for vehicle servicing and preparation. Every classic vehicle undergoes a meticulous full-day health check performed by our team of specialist service technicians before it's deemed eligible to be a works legend. Along with a lifetime of history, every vehicle benefits from a 12-month unlimited mileage warranty. So how about that? Purchasing a 1960s Jaguar and getting a 12-month unlimited mileage warranty from the manufacturer. Now that's a pretty nice deal. They also state, every works legend offers expertly sourced outstanding vehicles, authentic and collectible, prepared by our expert technicians, comprehensive vehicle health check, original manufacturer seal of approval, and of course, as I mentioned, the unlimited mileage 12-month warranty. So Jaguar is going out there finding vehicles, bringing them back and fully restoring them, and then turning around and offering them for sale to you and me. Jaguar has also recently launched their Reborn program. Their website indicates Nearly 60 years on, the Jaguar E-Type Reborn program will see Series 1 E-Types restored to their original specification for future generations of enthusiasts and collectors to buy directly from Jaguar Classic. So those are Series 1, which were manufactured between 1961 and 1968. They state, Reborn underscores our commitment to keeping the rich past of Jaguar brand alive. And by buying a Reborn vehicle, you have the opportunity to own a Jaguar comprehensively restored to its exact original specification by our team of passionate and dedicated experts. So Jaguar is running around out there purchasing 
older Jaguars and specifically looking at the Series 1 E-types, which they include in their Reborn program. Sticking in Great Britain, let's take a look at Aston Martin. Aston's work department uses many of the same tools it used in period. That also means, as in the 1960s, body panels are hand-beaten from aluminum sheets, often sculptured over original forms that were used on Aston's all those years ago. Aston also offers a fixed-price restoration service, meaning that every job on every vehicle, from a top-end rebuild to an entire restoration, has a set price. So I guess there's no surprises waiting for you at the end when you pick up your vehicle. Their website also states, When a heritage Aston Martin comes to Aston Martin Works, we think of it as coming home to the Newport Pagnell factory. 4,500 man-hours ensure that the car is prepared for the next chapter of its life and for the requirements of modern driving, whilst above all else retaining the very essence of the car, its originality. Testament to the seamless blend of old and new technologies and methods employed, a restored chassis will be sandblasted and powder-coated, providing additional corrosion protection, while aluminum body panels will be hand-formed or repaired, utilizing the same skills as when the car was first crafted. The latest paint technology will be applied for an improved finish with increased durability, and the interior trim is handcrafted using the finest authentic materials. To preserve as much of the original car as possible, each component part is dissembled and stripped of paint and any corrosion. In their barest form, the components are graded into that which can be retained, refurbished, or requires replacement. This is a roughly 12 to 14 month time period for a full restoration and can cost upward to $400,000 depending upon what features or additional items you want to add. So in a lot of these factory restoration programs, you can have it restored to original condition from that time period, or you can upgrade certain components on it to make it, I guess, a little bit more drivable in today's current driving conditions. Jumping over to Italy, Ferrari launched its Classique department back in 2004, promising not only parts and service, but also one of the most detailed and painstaking authentication processes out there. Beyond checking its records to ensure cars have their proper components, the company employs historians and metallurgists to dissect, sometimes physically, every inch of even multi-million dollar historic racing Ferraris to determine the extent of originality. This includes everything from bodywork to brakes, gauges to gear sets, emblems to exhaust systems. Now, with some of the Ferraris breaking world records for the amount sold at auctions, authenticity is highly critical for, for a lot of these vehicles. And therefore, Ferrari is offering services that can help prove their authenticity and help guard against a lot of fake and bogus examples or improper, inaccurate restoration claims. And staying in Italy, Let's take a look at FCA, which was Fiat Chrysler, now referred to as Stellantis. They offer service to a number of their vehicles, Alfa Romeo, Fiat, Lancia, Abarth brands. You can get a certificate of origin and car's value. You can get a certificate of authenticity, and you can also get a full restoration in addition to services done. And similar to Jaguar, if you don't have a Fiat or an Alfa Romeo or a Lancia to bring in, you can go to their dedicated classic car purchasing section where they state, become the proud owner of the classic car of your dreams and be the one to write the next chapter in its history. Reloaded by creators, 
is the FCA Heritage Project involving the sale of a small number of classic cars from Alfa Romeo, Fiat, Lancia, and Abarth brands. Historic models with certified authenticity restored to their original beauty by the constructor itself. Each car's timeless beauty lives again thanks to the care, know-how, and passion of our team of experts at the Officine Classique. From discovery through painstaking scouting work to restoration and finally the return to the market, a complete cycle that adds cultural worth to a car's financial value. Because safeguarding a legacy means renewal and not just conservation. And then they state, we preserve history, you will keep it alive. As I mentioned earlier, obviously we're talking about the cars in the upper end of the price and value structure of classic sports cars, Ferraris, Porsches, Aston Martins, and Jaguars. So this isn't something we're going to be able to do with our MGBs or Triumph Spitfires, take them back to the factory. Well, for starters, the factory manufacturer doesn't exist anymore. And for some, that might not be very attractive, taking our MGs or Triumphs back to the manufacturer, considering the amount of attention and detail that those manufacturers put into some of the cars, especially at the very late end of their run over there at British Leyland. So we have service and restoration for old classics. There's also something that a few manufacturers have come out with recently called continuation vehicles. Now, continuation vehicle is the continuation of a car model after the original vehicle has ended. And for the ones we're going to talk about here, long ended. Now, they're built by the original manufacturer or an officially licensed third party. They're built using the original plans, designs, and for most of them, the manufacturing methods. They're visually and mechanically identical to the original. And they may or may not be street legal for a number of these because of current regulations with safety and emissions. They're not able to be licensed for the street, but you can use them in classic racing events and those kind of activities. Now, we're not talking about kit cars or replicas that have been around for a long time, but actual vehicles made by the manufacturers. I believe the first manufacturer to start continuing their vehicles was Shelby America back in 1997. Now, Cobras are probably the most copied and kitted and replicated car of all times. And Shelby America, they started with their 4000 series 427 Cobras back in 1997. Now, in the continuation world, I want to just highlight three manufacturers, Jaguar, Aston Martin, and Porsche. And we'll going to start with Jaguar. I've got a quote here from an article in Rob Report back in April where they quote Dan Pink, who is the director of Jaguar Classics. He stated, for a number of different reasons, the planned production runs of some of our most iconic vehicles weren't always completed in period. Our continuation programs have allowed us to correct this. It's also a valuable learning experience for our team, cascading the knowledge and expertise from previous generations to get under the skin of our prized machines. Jaguar's first continuation vehicle was the lightweight E-Type. Over on their website, they have a lot of information and the history behind that. They state that what began in 1963 continued in 2015. The coveted next generation special FT lightweight E-Types originally built with the new style aluminum bodies in the 60s. 18 chassis were planned, but just 12 were built. Some 50 years later, we set out to finish what we started. We dubbed them the missing six. 
recreating a classic. With the lightweight E-Type, our focus as a design team has been to ensure justice was done to the original work of Sir William Lyons and Malcolm Sayer. Meticulous attention to detail has been everything to us in recreating this car, just as it is in our contemporary Jaguar vehicles. I believe the result is a new lightweight E-Type that is as stunning now as the originals. That's from Ian Collum, the director of design at Jaguar. The website also says the six new lightweight E-Type cars would be a labor of love with each of the cars being built to the exact specifications of the last of the original 12 produced in 1964. The missing six were handcrafted at the infamous Brown Lanes, Jaguar's production base, where the original lightweight E-Type cars were built. These new models would embody the spirit of the originals using all the knowledge and expertise of Jaguar engineers who have been perfecting aluminum body technology as seen on modern Jaguar models such as the F-Type and the XE. Inside the new lightweights would be a highly developed version of the straight sixth engine, the same engine that powered the C and D-Type to Le Mans victory. True to the original design, the missing six were built using materials and methods seen on the initial 12 lightweight E-Types. The original design would be aided by modern technology, allowing engineers and designers to ensure the most faithful rendition Using Jaguar state-of-the-art scanning technology, the inner and outer surfaces of each lightweight body shell were digitally mapped. The hugely detailed scan it produced recorded dimensions and shape down to a fraction of a millimeter. This was assessed by Jaguar's technicians to validate how the body was assembled back in the 1960s and how the process could be engineered today. So this was back in 2015, and the missing six each sold for $1.6 million. And just last year in October, of 2020, one sold at auction for $1.7 million. So they are holding their value. Now, the last lightweight of the original run sold for $8 million at auction in August of 2017. So you can see at $1.6 million, you were getting quite a deal based upon the current value. Of course, these all sold out very, very quickly. And I'm sure that success motivated Jaguar to do that again, because in 2018, they did a D-type continuation. They promoted it as the Triple Le Mans legend returns. Jaguar Classics is restarting production of the iconic D-Type race car in Coventry 62 years after the last example was built in 1956. Just 25 new examples of the D-Type will be meticulously hand-built at Jaguar Land Rover Classic Works in Warwickshire. In 1955, Jaguar planned to build 100 D-Types, with only 75 completed, Jaguar Classics is now fulfilling the company's original ambition by creating 25 all-new period-correct sports cars. The D-Type, which won the Le Mans 24-hour race three times between 1955 and 1957, was powered by the six-cylinder XK engine. Every aspect of the D-Types will be created to authentic original specification. And they go on to indicate, just like with the lightweight E-Types, the painstaking research, the exclusive access to original Jaguar engineering drawings and records, and recreating them in the same manner that the originals were built back in the 1950s. The price for these were also $1.5 million. Now, back in January of this year, 2021, one of the original D-types sold for $6 million at auction. So I guess you can still look at these as a bargain compared to the original price 
and maybe you've gotten one of the originals and you're a little hesitant to take it out on the road or take it to the club racing, well, for a fraction of that value, you can buy one of the continuation vehicles and maybe not be quite as concerned with it. Of course, these all sold out very quickly also. The C-Type was launched earlier this year in 2021. In 1951, the Jaguar C-Type became the first of our marquee to win the Hollow Le Mans 24-hour race, breaking every speed and distance record in the process. And on its first attempt in 2021, 70 years since its breathtaking beauty and brawn burst onto the world's racetracks, we restart production on a strictly limited run of the ultimate 1953 disc brake specification. Not just for the showroom, these new hand-built C-type models will allow discerning owners to get behind the wheel for Jaguar Classic Challenge Racing track and closed road use. So obviously this one is not street legal. Their website goes on to say, each new C-type continuation will reflect the 1953 Le Mans winning works team car specification, including a 3.4 liter straight six engine with triple Weber, 40 DCO3 carburetors for 220 brake horsepower and disc brakes. And just like with the other ones, Jaguar used 3D computer-aided design and other mapping techniques to recreate the continuations to match exactly or as close to exact as possible those originals. And these cars sold for $1.5 million. The last item offered by Jaguar is not a continuation vehicle, but a completely restored E-Type to celebrate the 60-year anniversary of the E-Type, which was announced in 1961. And it's called the E-Type 60 Collection. So, like I said, it's not a continuation vehicle, but an anniversary special. Jaguar indicates the 77 RW and 9600 HP were built by a hand-picked team at Jaguar Classic. So they built six pairs, one coupe and one roadster, and they're built on 1960s E-Type 3.8 liter models, fully restored to the exclusive anniversary specification. Now, there have been some upgrades made to them, such as a five-speed gearbox, electric cooling fan, electronic ignition, stainless steel exhaust, and subtle enhancements to improve usability and handling. And they'll also include the Jaguar Classic infotainment system containing a built-in satellite navigation and Bluetooth connectivity. The vehicles will be available only in a flat gray for the coupe and a special green for the Roadster. And from what I was reading, these colors will not be offered again for any future Jaguar vehicle. Now, no price is listed, so I guess if you have to ask the price, you're really not the type that can afford it. And you actually have to buy them in pair, from what I understand. You, you get one coupe and one Roadster. That's got to look pretty nice in somebody's garage. Not to be outdone by Jaguar, Aston Martin launched a continuation series. Over on their website, they highlight it with these words. In 2017, almost 60 years on from when the original cars were made, the DB4 GT continuation was hand-built on the very same site in Newport Pagnell as its illustrious forebears. It marked the return of production to the historic home of Aston Martin for the first time since the last V12 Vanquish S was completed in 2007 to secure the status of the world's oldest purpose-built car manufacturing facility. Capturing the spellbinding essence of Aston Martin's illustrious heritage, 
The continuation series has since seen the production of the DB4 GT Zagato in 2019 and the Goldfinger DB5 continuation, complete with Bond-inspired gadgets in 2020. Each of the hand-built continuation models combine the authenticity of the David Brown-era cars with sympathetic application of modern engineering advancements and performance enhancements. So they launched their first one in 2018, and that was the DB4 GT continuation model. They state, a special series of 25 cars remaining faithful to eight original factory lightweights. Underlining the authenticity are the VIN numbers, which carry on from the last original DB4 GTs for an unbroken bloodline and impeccable Newport Pagnell built pedigree. And those sold for $2 million each. In 2019, Aston Martin launched the DB4 GT Zagato continuation vehicle. Authentically and meticulously crafted, true to the original iconic Zagato body DB4 GT cars, 19 continuation models commemorate Zagato's centennial year, matching the number of cars originally produced by Aston Martin in 1960, and those sold for $7.6 million each. And then this year, for $3.5 million, you can get a Goldfinger DB5 continuation vehicle. Recreating the most instantly recognizable car of all time, based on James Bond's legendary car from 1964. Built by Aston Martin Works in Newport Pagnell, the original home of the DB5, all 25 cars will be painted in silver birch and include functioning gadgets, which include a pair of replica Browning 303 machine guns, an oil slick deployment mechanism, which I believe just shoots out water, and the machine guns I think just have flashing LED lights on their muzzle. You've got a rotating license plate and even tire slashers, but from what I read, those come in a special display case, not mounted on the car. And unfortunately, there is no working ejector seat, although there is a red button on the shifter. So Aston Martin has taken a little bit different approach from Jaguar which based their continuation vehicles on the specific number that were originally planned and for some reason were not completed. In one case being the fire, which burned a number of them. And in another case, the original number, I believe it was the D-type, was going to be 100, which was the requirement for the racing class that the D-type would compete in. Now, a lot of the racing classes required the manufacturer to create so many or a certain number of vehicles that were street legal. And sometimes those numbers and requirements would change, or maybe the class would completely change before the manufacturer had a time to complete the creation of the street legal cars. Also similar to Jaguar, Aston Martin has what's called their Aston Martin Heritage Sales. If you go over to Aston Martin's website, you can see a collection of vehicles you can purchase directly from them. I jumped over there and I was taking a look at a 1964 Aston Martin DB5 Saloon, which was being offered for sale for 1.2 million pounds, which is roughly 1.6 million US dollars. And it gives you some of the original history, some of the specifications through, through its life. This one states, supplied new to a Mr. A.H. of Preston, Lancashire, in the autumn of 1964, AEM 500B was finished resplendent in Caribbean pearl and complemented with dark blue Conley hide, supplied through the agent J. Blake 
She came fitted with chrome road wheels, a heated rear screen, two wing mirrors, and two Britax safety belts. Powered by the renowned Tadek Merrick inline six-cylinder engine, four liters, and breathing through triple SU carburetors, producing some 282 horsepower. This allowed the model to become the class leader in the market. A comprehensive restoration of this Aston Martin DB5 by Aston Martin Works, the very home of the model's birth and recreated with the same artesian skill as seen under the same roof some 56 years later, allows the classic car enthusiast to comprehensively enjoy an effectively brand new car built in the same manner with the exception of yet more intense attention to detail, culminating in some 4,500 man-hours of dedicated labor being lovingly put into the model. The AEM 500B now comes to the market presented in exceptional condition. With this prize example comes a platinum-level assured provenance presentation, signifying the caliber of the very special Aston Martin ready for its new custodian. As I mentioned, for $1.6 million, you can drive this home today. And lastly, let's jump over to Germany and look at Porsche one more time here. Now, they have not come out with the number of continuation vehicles that Jaguar and Aston Martin has, but they did come out with the classic Project Gold. They state, based on an original body shell and original spare parts, Porsche Classic has built the last 911 Turbo with an air-cooled engine 20 years after the end of the series production of the Type 993. Inspired by the design of the Type 991-911 Turbo S exclusive series, the vehicle is painted in the extraordinary golden-yellow metallic color. The 911 Turbo Classic Series is a highly attractive collector's item and a spectacular contribution to the 70 years of Porsche sports car celebrations. Unlike some of the other continuation cars, this was just a one-off model, and it was auctioned off in October of 2018 for just over $3 million, with the proceeds going to the Ferry Porsche Foundation. So now we've got available service, restoration options, and even purchase options of brand new classic sports cars from the 50s and 60s available to us. Now there are a lot of objections and even some defenses for this approach that some of the manufacturers are taking with their continuation vehicles. Some feel that it detracts from the rarity of the originals and effectively undermines the real heritage and value of the brand and the original cars. Some are arguing that it's going to create confusion for future collectors as to what's real and what's not. And some feel it's just a company jumping on the classic car bandwagon and trying to make easy money and having their marketing departments drive sales. Well, that argument, I think, is a little weak because as a car manufacturer, they are a business and they do need to make money. That is the purpose of a car manufacturer to make money. Over on the defense side, Bentley which has come out with a Bentley blower recreation, is defending its actions against some of these claims, stating that, it's, that it was a means to keep the handcrafted skills alive and pass them on to younger mechanics, which can obviously benefit anyone who has a hand-built classic of this passing on skills from one generation to the next. Maybe it's an owner who has an original that is worth multi-millions of dollars, that is really hesitant to take theirs out. Now, maybe they can experience their vehicle a little bit more frequently if they've got a little less expensive recreation. Of course, once again, as I mentioned, we are talking about a very few select individuals who have the money 
to either purchase one of these or already have a vehicle of this nature and can afford the service or the full restoration of that vehicle. Wonderful times that we're living in here in the classic sports car world. And thanks for listening to this episode. As I mentioned earlier, jump over to the website, theclassicsportscar.com, and you'll find links there to where you can subscribe to this podcast on various platforms and also a link to the Facebook page where we can continue this conversation. Thanks for listening to the show. For additional features, please visit the website, theclassicsportscar.com. Please join us again for another episode. Until then, I hope to see you out on the road in your own classic sports car.